Hey guys, how's it going? I am so, so, so pumped to show you guys this interview. It is the first time that I have gone outside of my friend group to interview anyone, and I don't think I could have picked a better person. Megan Boyle, she's from Massachusetts. Her family owns a very elite gym, so she grew up around a ton of professional athletes that any child would love to look up to and to train around. Then she ended up going to Clarkson and having to get shoulder surgery. And in that process, she decided that she wasn't in the right place for her and decided to transfer to Robert Morris University. Listen to her talk about her stories, rehab, growing up, transferring, very, very interesting. I love talking to her. But before we get into that, I thought I would share a passage with you guys from, sorry, I thought I would share a passage with you guys from this book that I got over Christmas time. It has a bunch of different inspirational passages, and the one that I really like this week is called Big Bold Vision. So here it goes. You were not born to play a small role in life. You have the ability to dream big. Even if you have absolutely no idea about how your vision can come to pass or what all the details may look like, you can access the heart and guts of a vision by tapping into your wildest dreams and surrendering attachment to exactly how it will all work out. The details are up to the creative genius of the universe. You are an active contributing participant, but not the sole player in your life journey. There is something, a vision or an idea that is coming to you. You may worry that it is too much for you, but don't worry. It is meant to be yours, although you might have some adjustment to make and some tweaking to do as you let go of your limited thinking and open up to a fearless acceptance of bigger, brighter, more radical, and more potent possibilities of creatively living your life in this world. A sign that you are cracking out of your limited thinking to allow for a big, bold vision to come to you is that you might feel a little dizzy with the shrinking limitations and expanding possibilities of life. You may wonder if you are allowed to access so much wonder. Remember that in your healing and growing success as you manifest this big vision, you can touch the hearts of others through your presence, your inner work, your art, and your choices. It is a win-win situation. Those that are meant to live big, bold, and visionary lives need to give themselves permission to break the mold and forge newer and more expansive perspectives of what is possible, what is permitted, and what is of service. It is about letting go and opening up. Others will benefit from this. Even though it is your vision, it is not just about you. So I really resonated with that. It inspired me and hopefully it inspires you guys. I feel like I should say where it's from so I don't get like copyrighted. It's from Sacred Rebels Guidebook by Elena Fairchild. Um, so now that you guys listen to me read out loud like a freaking four-year-old child, <laughs> let's get into this podcast because I'm really, really excited about it and I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. I was reading up on all of your stuff. It looks like you're already, like, well told in your story and everything. 
So you are Boston grown, right? Yep. How do you like living out there? I love it. Um, my family moved to Los Angeles. My dad actually took a job in LA uh, when I was four, and my mom and I only lasted about eight months. We were like, no, no. My mom didn't like it, and it was just like a very different atmosphere, and we were away from family, so we eventually found our way back to Boston, and you know, we've been here ever since. Do you think you'll live there, like, when you get older and everything? I think so. I think kind of as long as I'm playing and involved in hockey, I think this is kind of where I want to be. I have I have strong connections with, like, skating and obviously my dad's gym, and it's it's a pretty ideal setup, you know, for me. So it would be hard to leave. It would have to be something, you know, pretty pretty big. I was looking at the website Body by Boil. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny. We have, like, T-shirts that say, like, Body by Boil on the back, and I just tend to avoid those ones. Makes me feel weird. No, you got to wrap <laughs> it. That's so funny. Who came up with that? I have no idea, actually. It was, they started in 1997, so it was two years before I was born. Okay. And they were, like, I forget what they were called. They were called, like, Elite Conditioning at first, and then... In 1998, they transformed to Mike Bush and the conditioning. But I don't know where Body by Boyle came from. I think someone must have just, like, said it as a joke, and I think it just stuck. Do you have any certificates or anything to be a personal trainer? No, I mean, I like to I like to work out and I like to train, but I don't think it'll be a career for me. I just don't have that love. I mean, I like to coach, so I've, like, filled in a couple times when if they were, like, short-staffed last minute. But I just kind of realized I think I like doing it better than I like teaching it. (laughs) Yeah. I was looking at the alumni list that you guys have. Pretty, like, really nice list. Yeah. I mean, my dad's kind of cultivated, like, a great, I think the word is family. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a very big family atmosphere. And, you know, when we all come back from for the summer to train again it's like one big reunion you know I feel like I spend the whole first day I'm back like saying hi to everybody and catching up and and all while trying to work out at the same time but yeah he's had some pretty amazing amazing people come through the gym and he helped to coach or not coach but like train the U.S. women's team yep so he was involved with the U.S. women's team from the time I was 11 which I think was 2011 up until a year after the 2014 Olympics. So I think he resigned in early or late 2015, maybe early 2016. How was that for you being around those girls? Um, It was a huge, huge benefit. I kind of, my dad, my dad read up on it and it's called the process. It's called ignition. And basically it's like being surrounded by something helps ignite this fire and this passion and like turns you basically onto a path. And so In 2011, my family was fortunate enough to go with the national team to Switzerland for the world championships. And I remember we did everything with the girls. You know, we, my mom, my dad, my brother and I all went and I went to the rink every day with my dad. I was at workouts, skates, practices, games. And I remember leaving there. We were on the flight back and I told my dad, I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my whole life. I was like, I want to try and do that one day. And so that kind of like kickstarted my my passion and my desire to, you know, play elite level hockey and hopefully at the division one level. And then now the next step is trying to get into the national team and all that, that stuff. So for me, it was a huge advantage where I was surrounded by, by the elite of the elite in women's hockey 
and I and they were all so amazing and um, they were so generous and so caring and so giving and now I'm I coach for a summer program during the summer and my dad says to me all the time he was like this is you returning the favor he was like you you looked up to those girls and idolized those girls so much and now you have little girls who look at look at you and idolize you and so I think that's really cool because I never really thought of it like that but now I have these little girls who you know I show up to the rink and they're like giving me big hugs they're like congrats on amazing season things like that and so it was it's it's a pretty cool feeling to know that you know, I'm on my path to giving back to these young girls like those women, you know, gave to me. Do you have any girls with a lot of potential that you see right now? I think it's I think it's an interesting age. They're the two thousand eight birth years. Okay. So I think they're they're pretty young still. We definitely have some girls in the older teams who, who have really good potential. I say she's my cousin, but she's not actually my cousin. We were just basically raised together, but she's fifteen. So she'll be sixteen in September. She's been like my little sister my entire life. And she um, she actually played at the Shamrocks and is now going to play for Naha, the North American Hockey Academy, in the fall. But she's like, she's legit. Like, she's going to be really good one day. And I think that she has kind of the potential to be a Division One player. And so myself and then my roommate, Kayla Barnes, we've kind of taken her under our wing. And, and we bring her to work out with us and things like that and to try and just help her get to that next level and get that leg up on her competition. Does Kayla live with you? Yeah, she's like right there. Wait, I want to say <laughs> hi. I went to high school with her. She went to high school with you. What's your what's your name? Kelsey Corcoran. Kelsey Corcoran? <laughs> she goes, oh my God, did you hear her? Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, we literally live like... We literally live, like, seven feet from each other. Our beds are, like, next to each other. What a nice training duo for the summer right there. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty legit. It's the perfect balance of, like, seriousness and then, like, fun at the same time. That's so funny. How did you two meet each other, just the hockey world? We met when we were, like, 14 at national camp. Because I, like, remember, we, like, remember, like, knowing of each other, but we don't actually remember meeting each other. And so... She started training with my dad. I think this is the third summer she's trained with us. We kind of like just became friends from working out, and and obviously her parents weren't weren't here, so she was living with an old friend. And then last summer, my dad basically said to her, "Like, why don't you just like move in with us? Like, we have an extra bedroom." And so she lived with us last year. And then once COVID hit, she got kicked out of school. She's literally been here ever since. So we've been together for like six months now, five months, four months. I don't even know. I've lost track. <laughs> do you guys work at the gym over the summer we work out in the morning and then we'll head to skate but um we kind of we babysit for work okay it's easier to kind of fit into the to our schedules but yeah no we work out in the mornings at like nine thirty, so mm-hmm. it's not too bad don't have to get up too early yeah not too bad why don't you talk a little bit about what the recruiting process was like you going into college and everything yeah well, I think it first started, so I actually attended Austin Prep, which is a small Catholic school in my town. Um, I went there in the eighth grade, and the reason I went there is because they allowed you to play on the varsity team as an eighth grader, whereas my hometown high school, they didn't allow that, and I was ready to take that next jump in hockey, so I decided to leave, to leave Reading and go there, um, so I played there for my eighth grade year and my freshman year. 
and you know kind of tried to navigate the high school hockey scene I was I had players on my team that were 18 and I was 13 so it was just a tough it was a tough situation in the locker room just because I was so far removed from you know the partying the you know the boyfriends all that stuff like I just wasn't there yet and I just like at that point was just like so in love with hockey and it was all I wanted to do so as much as that was really good kind of for my hockey career I really really struggled like socially so after my freshman year I left and I went to the Shamrocks which is where I basically first started to get recruited so I joined the Shamrocks in the beginning of my sophomore year and for me it was a huge step it was you know legitimate coaching it was you're fighting for playing time it's not you know everybody plays there's a set power play there's a set penalty kill and that was a tough adjustment I remember we went to the first tournament of the year which was Naha and at that time the Nepean Wildcats out of Ontario were the team to beat and they their entire roster went to division one like that entire senior class went to division one and I remember getting out there for warm-ups and their team was like humongous like when they say like make jokes that like Canadians do these like you know, protein smashing, like crazy sized human beings. Like I was legitimately in shock. I was like, Oh my God. And I honestly think that game, I played five shifts and I was like scared. I just was like, I just don't feel like I'm ready for this. And so after that first weekend, I kind of had to like self reflect and realize that, you know, this is the transition. This is the transition from high school hockey to junior hockey. And, you know, as, as the weeks came, I, I started to play more and more and find myself and kind of learn more about who I was as a player. And then very beginning of December, my sophomore year, which was my first year at Shamrocks, I ended up committing to Clarkson. I had started kind of looking at schools. I think I was going into my freshman year of high school, but the first school I toured was Northeastern, and they told me, essentially, we want you to go see five other schools before you commit we you need to explore your options we don't want you to kind of just like throw it all in one basket to begin with and so I went and toured you know five or six other schools felt it all out and then at the time Megan Duggan who was a former U.S. player now was the assistant coach at Clarkson and my dad we went up there for a Thanksgiving tournament and my dad said to me Michaela, you know, I really think you should do a visit at Clarkson. They've been asking, like, I know you don't want to be this far away from home. At the time, I wanted to play in Boston. He was like, essentially, like, do it do it because Megan was so nice to you. Like, do it because, like, she has given you so much. Like, they want you to come for a visit. You, you never want to count anything out. And so after, you know, that Thanksgiving tournament, I stayed, and I, and I did my visit, and I was, like, astounded. They had just won the national championship. They had this amazing video of, like, all this cool stuff. They had these blueprints of, like, the rink renovations and all the things we were going to get. And I just found myself, like, shell-shocked. And everything they were saying was amazing. You know, we're never going to carry more than the amount you can dress. You'll never have to get – you'll never get scratched a game. No one will ever get scratched a game you know, we're a big team culture program, like everything, it, it kind of sounded like, this is awesome, like this is, this seems like the best place on earth, like why wouldn't I not want to go here, and so I ended up committing there December of my sophomore year, and looking back on it, I wish I had taken more time to really explore my options and, and grow as a player before rushing into anything. And I think now that they've changed the recruiting rules, 
I think it's you're going into either I think it's going into your junior year coaches can talk to you I think that's the best thing that ever happened or will happen to women's you know to that age group because it gives you a chance to be a kid I remember being a freshman in high school looking at what colleges had for majors where I my classmates were like worrying about what they were having for lunch and it just made me have to grow up so much faster and think about these real things that that was going to basically determine kind of the rest of my life and I definitely wish I, I had a little more patience and I really kind of did my research because obviously for me it didn't end up working out where I transferred from Clarkson and now I'm at Robert Morris um, I was fortunate enough that that situation at Robert Morris has turned out to be a dream come true. So that was my like initial recruiting process. And then kind of the transfer process was a little bit different. I had season ending shoulder surgery in October of what would have been my sophomore year, just coming off winning the national championship with Clarkson, you know, didn't play as much as I wanted to. I had trained all summer. I was ready to go. And then I ended up tearing my labrum and basically having to have my shoulder reconstructed. So that ended that season. I applied for a medical redshirt year. And then I basically came to the decision that maybe Clarkson wasn't supposed to be home anymore. Maybe that that it wasn't the place for me. And I really, really struggled. That was That was probably the darkest year of my life I've ever had. And I honestly owe it to my family and friends for kind of keeping me afloat because without their positivity and their like consistent support, I don't think that I would have bounced back the way I did. So huge shout out to them. But basically I decided I was gonna leave Clarkson middle of the year, so the end of first semester. So, you know, you think you just win a national championship, you had a pretty good junior high school career, you know, someone's gonna want you. Someone you're gonna go in the transfer portal and it's all gonna be okay. Well, for me, it ended up just being let down after let down after let down. It was a coach of contact, and then they'd be like, yeah, maybe not. And the same thing kept happening, and I remember I, I looked at my dad one day, and I was like, I think I, I think I might need to start reaching out to Division three programs. Like, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, and maybe I just, I just need to accept this and kind of move on. And 10 minutes later, my phone rang, and it was Logan Biddle, the assistant coach at Robert Morris, and he asked me to come for a visit, and I still thank him to this day for calling me because it it literally ended up being an amazing, amazing opportunity for me to have a second chance and to get to kind of reinvent myself and, and be the player that I always wanted to be, but I didn't really have the opportunity to be. That's that. <laughs> Sounds like kind it all worked lot. out really well, though. Yeah, it did. I was very fortunate. Do you think you would have stayed at Clarkson if your shoulder didn't get messed up? I don't know. I think that, I think in times of struggle and times of sadness, I think you realize a lot more about not only yourself, but what you're, what you're surrounded by. And I think I, I wrote, I wrote a couple articles that I published online about kind of my process and what I was going through. And I said that I don't think something about, um, I think I realized that my injury wasn't hurting me as much as my surroundings were. And I just wasn't happy. And I realized that, you know, happiness isn't a person or a place. It's a state of mind. And, and I think that you, you really do need to be happy within yourself before you can be happy somewhere. And so I think that's kind of what I was struggling with is I was so unhappy within myself and I was trying to kind of find 
find my way through everything I was going through. And, and I just realized that that wasn't the place for me anymore. So Robert Morris, the transition was good. There, No one was like threatened by you coming in. Like you're a force to be reckoned with out there. <laughs> um, I think I was super, super, super lucky. My teammates and coaching staff were super welcoming. You know, the girls made me feel like I was a part of, I had been a part of the team for a year when it was, you know, my second day. Um, I was lucky that J.C. Gebhardt, who was the captain um, last year, she really took me under her wing and kind of showed me the ropes and taught me, you know, what it means to be like a true hockey player and, and a dedicated, reliable hockey player. And, and so, I mean, obviously credit her for, for helping me a lot this year. She she brought out another level in me that I didn't really know I know I had. So obviously I'm grateful for her. And then, you know, Lexi Templeman was my other line mate. And she's just like the most happy-go-lucky, positive human. I've. She's so positive all the time. And, and she really makes going to the rink, and everyone on that team, they make going to the rink every day something I want to do. It's not something I have to do. That's phenomenal. How was the feeling when you won the Frozen Four? Honestly, it's like a blur. Really? Uh, yeah, I feel like it all happened so fast. I never doubted that we weren't going to win. I really, I think we all just knew that, that it was our our year and that was going to be what it was. And I think we were, the, we were the first team in history to win three overtime games in order to get to the finals or, or to win the national championship. And I think, you know, after we had overcome two overtimes in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, we knew that we had this one in the bag and... And I, I think that we were very prepared for those games. We were in great shape. You know, we worked hard all year, and we were able to kind of outskate Colgate at the end when it mattered most. And so it was a blur, though. It, was, it really was. It was like, <laughs> holy, what is going on? That is unreal. I can't even imagine. That would be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I'm definitely grateful that it happened and grateful to have been a part of that team because it it was a very humbling and and it was a great learning year for me I think you kind of appreciate everything a little bit more when you don't play the role you're used to playing Mm -hmm. but it made me kind of become in touch with areas of my games where I needed to improve and ultimately that's now helped me at Robert Morris because I'm a more all-around player than I was when I first started. How was the recovery process for your shoulder? Did you have to do a lot of physical therapy? Yeah, so basically I was in a sling for four weeks after surgery. So I came home from school. I took 10 days off of school to kind of recover to the point where I could be without my parents, um, without their help, essentially. I mean, the first day I like couldn't even get out of a chair. I was just like tired and in pain and But yeah, so then obviously leaving Clarkson, I was living at home with my family and I was able to, you know, train with my dad and do rehab and get on the ice and stuff as as I progressed. But it was a long period of time and I I ended up actually having to do PT twice um, just because I wasn't where I needed to be leading into school. And so I was fortunate to kind of be able to to do that and and get to where I needed to be leaving, uh, leaving Boston and heading up to Pittsburgh. It was a long, long process. Yeah. So I saw that your major is sports management. What do you think you want to do with that after college? So I, it's actually sports communications, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. yeah. 
But um, honestly, I feel like it's a, a degree you can do a lot with. Um, I love to write. So I don't know, maybe I took a news writing course this year and the professor was like one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my whole life. She was, she like actually made me like enjoy going to class and enjoy learning. I'm not the, the best student. <laughs> it's not like my one love, but I really enjoyed news writing. And I think that I ultimately would love to do like social media and like media relations, maybe for an NHL team. I also have thought about doing like hockey operations for a college team. I just think it's a thing that you can kind of do a lot with. And so I'm just glad that my degree is going to help me stay in sports because that's ultimately what I want to be involved in. I have a job for the Sharks. And yeah. we just hired on, and I, I'm blanking on her name right now, but we just hired on one of the U.S. girls to, yeah, 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 I know. And I thought it was so awesome. They brought her onto the ice and everything. Uh-huh. And they're like, we're so happy to have her as part of our team. I'm like, hell yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think her and, you know, AJ Malesko with NBC, I think they're, you're kind of paving the way for women now breaking into the NHL. It was such like a male dominant community. And I think even Blake Bolden with the LA Kings, like she's doing a lot. And I think it's, I think it's really cool to see. And it, it's kind of happening at the right time for me where they're starting to break through and, and hopefully, you know, the roads that they pave will, will help me out eventually. So you said that you're looking at making it to the national team. I mean, that's been a dream of mine since I was young. I think that this year, having had a, I, I would call a successful season, it's definitely it's definitely on my mind, and it's a goal that I really want to achieve. I think that I still have a lot of potential to tap into, and I think I can I can be even better than I was last year. And so I'm I'm hoping that my play will be able to speak for itself, and if I'm given the opportunity, that I'll be able to make the most of it. But it's definitely a dream that I've always had. And I don't know if I was just thinking about this. Since they pushed this Olympics back a year, are the rest of them all getting shifted back? No, they'll still be the same. So I'm pretty sure they're still having... The rest of the Olympics didn't get pushed back, right? No. Like, because this one got pushed back, they didn't push back all the other ones, right? No, Kayla said no. Okay, okay. Yeah, that'd be kind of crazy having to reorganize everything. Yeah. Crazy. So you're going into your junior year, but yep. your senior year for schooling, or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so I will be a senior academically, I think, starting in the starting in the spring of this year. But I have 12 credits left after this first semester to finish, so I'll basically take four classes for the rest of my three semesters, and I'll graduate like perfectly on time. I think those were all of my main questions that I had for you. We buzzed through them pretty quickly. I know. Sorry if I talk too fast. I have a tendency to, like, speed talk. All good. So what do you and Kayla do out there? Is everything closed down? So Massachusetts is technically in phase three of the reopening. So starting yesterday... Wait, what's today? Is today Tuesday? Yeah. yeah. So starting yesterday, we started phase three. And initially, people thought that, you know, games, like sports games, were going to be included in phase three. But they ended up changing that. So it's later in phase three. They've kind of made these like phase three, one, like A, and <laughs> phase three, two, A. And it's like crazy to kind of follow. Um, but we're fortunate. Our friend Callie Flanagan, who also played on the Olympic team with Kayla, her dad owns a rink in New Hampshire. 
So the guidelines are a little different in New Hampshire, and he actually created a free league for us to play in. So he's kind of created it all on his own, and so we play Thursday nights at 6.30 in uh, Hudson, New Hampshire. And it's it's probably the best competition that you'll find for women's hockey in this area. Um, it's pulled in a lot of really good girls, kind of girls who are out of college now in college and some that are just going into college. And so that's been really, really beneficial. But the gym, we just moved inside on Monday, my dad's gym. We've been training outside like under like a tent for a month, a little more, which was really tough. But my dad and his staff have done a great job kind of keeping it as normal as they can, even though we were kind of outside and things were limited. But we got back inside yesterday. Outdoor dining, like, just opened up. Been able to go out to dinner a couple times, which was really nice. We were stuck, you know, home cooking. Yeah. Were you guys able to get out and have some fun on the 4th of July? Yeah, we were. So Kayla was down the Cape, but my parents actually bought a lake house in Maine. So I headed up there with my family, which was really nice. We have a boat. And my dad's business partner lives on the same lake, so we were able to hang out with them and my birthday is next next week, I think. Yeah, next Thursday. Um, so we kind of had like a pre-birthday celebration with my family, which was nice. And then we'll celebrate the real thing next week. How old 21. are you turning? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe so. the bars will be open. No. There's no bars <laughs> opening in Boston until there's like a vaccine. So the bars probably won't exist in Boston after all of this. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, they started to reopen here and like they just like opened the restaurants a couple of weeks ago and then they shut it all back down. Yeah, bars were open in Pittsburgh and like restaurants and stuff, but they shut them down again because they said most of the COVID cases were coming from the areas where the bars were. Mm, Makes sense. So they just closed all of like the big bars in downtown Pittsburgh. I think like in surrounding towns, um, they might still have like smaller ones open. They're more like pubs or stuff like that, but the big ones are all shut down. Gotcha. I heard that you're really big into soccer. Did you ever think about going pro at that or, like, taking that pathway for college? Oh, God, no. I was, like, really, really chunky as a child. (laughs) Really, really chunky. Like, I couldn't – I was so bad at running. So I would literally play half a game. Uh, I was a goalie. And then my dad literally would make me play a half at, like, forward. So I would, like, have to run and, like, get exercise. And I hated it. I loved soccer goalie. I thought it was, like, so much fun. And I was, like, psycho and, like, would, like, die for balls and, like, run out and challenge people. But, yeah, I loved soccer. But I don't think I ever thought that, like, there was a future for me. Just too much running. <laughs> the skating's better. You can glide a little bit. Yeah, I definitely would have to say I'm a better skater than a runner. <laughs> I did love soccer, though. That was fun. When was last time you played? A while ago? Oh, God. I think I played my, I think the spring of my sophomore or my freshman year of high school, I played. And I, like, sprained my MCL really bad. They thought I'd turn my ACL. And my dad was like, okay, you're done. So then I stopped playing soccer. And that was it. I'll still, like, kick a soccer ball around every once in a while, but it's not the same. I hated soccer practice. I had these one these these one coaches. They were amazing. They understood that like soccer was my second sport, and so when it came to practice, like I wasn't going to have the same skill set as everyone, but I could kick a ball into the back of the net and like be fine. 
And then I had, like, this one coach who, like, wanted me to, like, dribble through all these cones and, like, do, like, cutbacks and stuff. I was like, this is not me. Like, let me just kick the ball. <laughs> so that kind of, like, put me on, like, the downfall. I didn't wasn't really loving soccer anymore after that point, but the games were my favorite. Games are always more fun. <laughs> At Way least in more my fun. opinion. <laughs> oh, I agree. If I could play games for the rest of my life and not practice, that'd be pretty ideal. <laughs> That's terrible to say, but. Oh, well. Um, so you said you wrote a couple of articles. Would you ever think about writing a book? Actually, yeah. I, I have thought a lot about writing a book. Um, I think there's not enough out there for women's hockey players, and I think it's such a growing sport. I don't really have an idea of how I would write it or kind of what I would do. Maybe like a guide to navigating women's hockey or maybe like a biography of like my own story. I'm not really sure, but it's definitely something I've thought about and would like to pursue. We definitely need some more representation out there because when you're in the hockey community, it makes sense. But it's reaching out to those kids that like don't already have an influence in the sport. Like their parents didn't play or it's not around them. Yeah, that's like my cousin Mia. She like her they wanted her to be like a soccer player and my dad was like no no she like would get like red carded out of like little kid soccer because she'd like slide tackle people and my dad was like I'm telling you she's playing the rock sport <laughs> needs hockey or rugby <laughs> yeah she needs something with like physical contact so hockey ended up doing it for her love it yeah you know I listened to Leah's podcast when she was on this and I was like that's so awesome yeah so I worked at the rink in South Lake for a couple of years but at that point, like, I was only playing men's league and didn't think I would go back to playing competitively. And yeah. so my dad, like, for my birthday, bought me these, like, personal trainer tickets. And I was using them and going to this gym. Yeah. And I show up and Leah's at the gym. And she's, like, with her personal trainer and I'm with my personal trainer. And I guess we were both just saying, like, the same thing. Like, oh, my God, she's so good at hockey. Like, I like can't believe how good she is. And then, like, my personal That's trainer so told me that she said that about me. I was like, from Leah? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she's really nice. She was, she's a good person. And if you can ever, like make your way out to south lake where she lives it is the most oh, beautiful place it's ever so beautiful i know my parents like took me there when i when i was young but i don't remember it gotta go again it's so nice i know she always like sends us pictures or like sends us like snapchats of her like mountain biking and i'm like she's like that looks so cool or like, fishing yeah like i'm catching these like little sunfish in the lake <laughs> she has these like big fish i'm like well, we have some around here. Do you guys hang out? Like, does um the Robert Morris team hang out a lot outside of season? Are you guys pretty all close? <sighs> yeah, so we all lived together. So last year, um, I lived on campus in, like, a suite-style apartment, which was, a com- like, a big common room, a bathroom, and then there was ten of us. So there was five rooms with two people. So Leah and I actually lived in the same apartment. We didn't, We weren't roommates, but since we were on campus, our room was kind of, where our teammates would come if they were, like, killing time between class or just wanted to come visit and, like, watch The Bachelor, like, things like that. So we do hang out a lot. We're a very close team. It was a very, like, no-bullshit group. We were all just, like, enjoyed each other's presence. So it was nice to be a part of that. 
but a little crazy. I have to imagine 10 girls that close has to be crazy. Honestly, it really wasn't that bad. I was, like, very nervous about living with 10 people, but you have your room to kind of go back to when you, like, don't really want to be around a lot of people. Um, So that was nice. And then I made friends with people on other sports teams, so I was lucky. Like, I'd kind of go, like, hang out with them or, like, do stuff with them and then, like, come back at night and hang out. But it wasn't – it honestly wasn't as bad as – as it sounds, 10, 10 teammates in one, you know, small area. Yeah. Was it a dorm or a house? So it was like an on-campus, like, suite style. So there was, like, a giant common room. Not giant, but there was, like, a pretty decent-sized common room where we had, like, couches, and we had this, like, big queen-size air mattress mm-hmm. that had, like, a backboard to it. So, like, we had that. So, like, three people could lay on that. And then um, we had a TV, and then everyone had their rooms. So you kind of just, like... Usually people just, like, leave your door open, and if someone wants to tell you something, they come on in and invite themselves in. If your door's shut, people usually just leave you alone. Respect the boundaries. Yeah. No, it was good. I liked it. I definitely, like, like my own space at night, but I, like, really, I think next year, like, I'm living, or this year, I'm living off campus in a house, and I think I will miss, like, being around everyone at night. Thank you for having me on this. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you for coming on, and, like, I'm happy besides little technical difficulties that it all went yeah, well. All right, well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye.